Welcome to Five Strike Weekly. Should the New York Red Bulls goal have been disallowed? Also, the FIFA 21 ratings are out. Whose card surprised us? We get into all that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ, and this is Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. Follow our Twitch for watch-alongs on match days on twitch.tv slash ATLUTDFanTV. So let's get right into the 1-0 New York Red Bulls win against us on Saturday. And yes, I mean... You know, Marcelino Moreno got his debut, his full debut, immediately. Definitely a surprise to many people. I think uh, there was a little bit of chatter before the match that they might do that. Most of us maybe had our touts, but uh, they did it. And it was, uh, you know, a pretty decent first half, but ultimately undone by a Caden Clark 17-year-old player. And, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, maybe a little controversial. We'll get into that in a bit. But, uh, yeah, what, what were your thoughts overall on that, that match, Mark? Yeah, just to uh, piggyback off what you said, I think the first half was good, you know. Um, I think, as I said in my fan cam, you saw a clear approach. You know, you saw the attack going down the wings. Uh, they didn't concede early, which, you know, last time we played Red Bulls, which was in the MLS the back tournament, they were... Um, they were cut right open, you know, in the opening 10 minutes. Uh, but that didn't happen this time. And so, you know, you felt, uh, I, I, I certainly felt a bit of optimism. But, um, you know, like when you don't have that end product, when you don't have that quality in the final third, it's really difficult to score and it's really difficult to win matches. <laughs> you know, you kind of need to score goals. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, like second half, I think uh, you saw Moreno uh, tail off a little bit and that's, perfectly understandable it's his first match in seven months um it's surprising he even got the start but uh you know once he i guess you know you, like i said he wasn't as good in the second half and he was eventually he was taken off and before he was taken off that will score that goal and so from there it's an uphill battle but uh you know even though we were the team chasing the goal for most of the second half it really never truly felt like it was coming and so um you know, I think there's a few different factors to that. I think fatigue is certainly um, a factor in that. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more when we talk about the Inter-Miami matchup. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it's just, it's Rebels get us again. You know, what can you say? Um, and hats off to a 17-year-old making his debut and scoring a, a quality goal controversy aside. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, uh, I think... There is uh, something to be said about, you know, how, you know, the term good for the first half. I mean, there is uh, neither shot, neither side had a shot on goal. So, yeah, I think it's just more that it was us improving, I think, our level of play against the New York Red Bulls, I think, in that sense where we're not looking as, uh, you know, just maybe as clueless against them, Um, at least in regular season play. Of course, obviously, we beat them in the playoffs, but... Uh, yeah, I think, you know, Moreno, that injection of him allowed us to be able to, you know, play in the middle of the park a little bit more. Um, but 
I think ultimately you saw the rust from him. I mean, he wasn't able to really link up completely uh, super well with all of his teammates, which is understandable when he had just met them the day of. So, you know, it's a, uh, it's uh, uh, we can excuse that for sure. I think overall, you know, the numbers aren't fantastic from his debut, but you can see, you know, why we brought him in. He is able to link up uh, from defense to the attack. And, um, yeah, if we had a little bit more in product, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Mulraney hit the, the crossbar. I mean, it was, uh, you know, a match that just, like you said, um, you know, we might, we might, it might have been a different story if, uh, you know, if we had been a little bit more clinical, but the chances were really just weren't there. I mean, but, um, yeah, in terms of this controversial goal, uh, now, you know, I think the the broadcast and uh, a few of the you know I think pundits were very adamant. Uh, Guzan was adamant, and Stephen Glass, of course, as well. They were arguing that uh, Guzan was impeded by Royer, and uh, you know, I think ultimately after seeing the video, you can kind of see that you know Guzan had a, a clean look at the goal, or at least at the strike rather, but. Uh, in terms of, you know, yeah, Royer kind of could or couldn't have, uh, you know, maybe interfered with the goal if uh, he didn't get out of the way. And obviously, yeah, he chose the, the beneficial thing for his team to get out of the way. And uh, whether that made Guzan hesitate or not is, you know, it's kind of completely up to Guzan's and, you know, his interpretation in, in his head. But... In terms of the rules, yeah, there's there's nothing that really says that uh, you know that is a goal that should have been disallowed. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so and that's the thing. Like, if the ball hits Warrior, it's offside, you know. Yeah. And so, um, but Guzan can see the shot, and so I can understand. I really can understand both sides of the argument. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's also like the argument of looking at a picture versus seeing the that sequence where Royer does move across uh, Kuzan's line right, of vision. Yeah. yeah. The one, uh, I guess, I wish uh, the on-field ref had looked at it made a, made the call himself. Um, I guess that would may maybe be my biggest complaint. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's it's controversial. I don't know if it's, like, definitively wrong. Um, I know, like, Urano, for example, was on the side of they got it wrong. I wouldn't, I don't, wouldn't necessarily go that far, but... Uh, I think Guzan's a little bit unlucky. For yeah, sure. Certainly. You know, like if the, yeah, if the shot goes to the other corner, I don't think there's any controversy. But I think it's the fact that it kind of heads in Royer's direction. Uh, but it is what it is. I, I, I mean, like I think it's worth talking about. But ultimately, we're talking about it because you know, it was the only goal. We weren't yeah. able. Yeah, it was the only goal. We weren't able to create any real chances, and so, um, and so I think that's the. You know, like I said, I think the biggest takeaway, definitely, certainly, and what needs to be improved going forward is just creating those chances. You know, how is that yep. going to come about? You know, who are those players going to be that are going to uh, allow Atlanta United to get good good looks at goal because they just haven't been coming. Right. And I think there's a narrative of, uh, you know, us being hard done by refs uh, out there and yeah, I mean, there might be some instances that, uh, yeah, okay, maybe we're 
uh, you know, getting fouled a lot, and there aren't a lot of calls for us in uh, in that respect. Uh, we have kind of almost, I think, the, the fewest penalties called for us as well. But uh, I think it usually normalizes, you know, because these refs are, I think, just as bad throughout the league. But you know, for every yeah. team. But uh, you know. I think it's understandable that you know people are uh, are getting up in arms about it. Uh, obviously, at that time, after not uh, having the benefit of the replay, it's yeah, you're, you're kind of incensed. You're like, "What's going on?" Like, you know, he maybe was in front of him. We have to see more of it, you know, to allow us to to really know. And yeah, it seems like yeah, Guzan really wasn't impeded, and so. Uh, it's just unfortunate, but I think what's uh, what's interesting uh, about this match anyway is uh, that Franco Escobar started again at center back, and there was a lot of chatter afterwards about him being, uh, you know, more of a natural center back at least coming into the league, and you know, of course, he's played a lot of right back uh, and full back and whatnot, but uh, you know, it, it's kind of you kind of see, I think maybe possibly where his future lies if um if that's where we want him to play possibly and maybe we bring in a more natural uh fullback but what's your take on uh you know Franco Escobar playing as a center back in this match and uh you know previously as well like how do you rate him oh I thought he was immense in this match I mean he was covering so much ground you know he was bringing the ball out of the back even um and and I think you know the fact that he didn't get a yellow, and I don't say that because it's not only because it's Escobar, but also you know that's a difficult position to play, um, and not you know pick up. A, I mean you're going to be forced into challenges. You know you're going to be forced to make plays on the ball. And so I thought Escobar was immense, and I think uh, he uh, provided a calm at the back. I thought he provided leadership, um, and I thought it was interesting that after the match where he said, yeah, you know I'm a center back. Um, I think, you know, sometimes it's uh, natural. You see players with, like, athleticism, so you put them on the wing, you know, you put them at fullback or wingback or what have you. Um, But that athleticism can be really useful as a center back, you know? And so... um, He wins a lot of headers. Like, he's a... And he always has, yeah. Yeah. He's only 5'11", but he's a player that, you know, just has that jumping ability to really beat his man and... Uh, you, you see him being the likes of, uh, you know, like Shea and other players uh, throughout matches. And it's, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't this match, but, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I think, really beneficial when you are playing maybe the likes of a New York Red Bulls who, uh, you know, can really beat you in the air a lot because that's kind of part of their, their game. But, uh, you know, also, uh, I think what's interesting is Fernando Mesa hasn't really gotten a game recently. Even coming back from injury, what's your uh, what's your take on what's happening there? Yeah, I, I know that. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I, I, but I do think that that is no. I mean, but I think it is interesting. I think that is because that's a uh, that is that is something I've been thinking about. He's there on the bench, you know. We have he's not showing up on injury reports, um, and he's just not getting into these games at all. And so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it is a case of he's not match fit, then how the hell is he going to get match fit if he never plays? Um, and, you know, he was the Perez replacement. He was one of the bigger signings of the offseason. 
Um, so that's something that they're going to have to figure out, you know, and I guess it'll be interesting to see what the alignment of this defense will be going forward because, uh, you know, depending on what you consider Escobar, you have two or three starting caliber center backs unless, you know, if Mesa is still in the in the plans going forward. Um, if he's not, then that's kind of an indictment on the front office. But, I mean, we'll just, we'll have to see. But that is an, that is an, like I think Barco not playing has taken the head, um, most of the headlines in terms of um, roster yeah, management. Yeah, players not playing, right? Sure. Yeah, right. Exactly. But uh, but Mesa, I think, certainly should be up there as well. You know, like because he was he was pretty good. You know, before the shutdown and all that. Like, in we didn't play a whole lot of matches, but he was pretty good in those matches. So, mm-hmm. and maybe he's happening? struggling. You know, yeah, maybe yeah. he's uh, in terms of uh, not only his knee but also form, and so. Uh, you know, maybe we're looking too much into it, but obviously, you know, he was a starter before he went down, and you know, now that he is supposedly healthy, all of a sudden he's not really taking a part in a lot of uh, the proceedings, and so obviously, I think it it begs questioning, for sure. So, you know, uh, but uh, you know, in terms of this match, I think there's not much more to be said. Uh, really, it's I think at the end of the day. You just chalk it up to another, you know, we don't match up well against the Red Bulls. And uh, even more so when we can't play it out from the back nor, you know, really have any uh, connectivity in midfield. So, you know, it was always an uphill battle here. So, you know, I think uh, we'll wrap this baby up on that the New York Red Bulls match. But let's get into the Inter-Miami uh, 1-1 draw on Wednesday. And... Well, you know, I think largely we were outplayed in that first half. It was uh, one of the most drab, I described this on the fan cams, uh, first halves that we've ever had, I think. It was bleak. But, uh, yeah, you know, we pretty much were, I think, shut out from their final third. We just didn't look likely at all. Uh, I mean, they were playing combination plays around us. They were, uh, you know, slicing us open time and time again. But Miles Robinson, immense. Brad Guzan, immense. Anton Walks, immense. Uh, they pretty much, you know, kept them out for, you know, out of the goal for uh, for most of the night. I think our, our fullbacks, unfortunately, kind of let us down uh, for their goal, which, uh, yeah, started on a LGP switch. Uh, you know, and then uh, I believe it was uh, yeah Morgan on the right who was able to cross it over for our old friend Breck Shea to finish it at the back post. Uh, basically, Bello got skinned there, and uh, yeah, Brooks Lennon. I think you know he's played however many matches. I think like ten matches in a row, or something like that. Uh, he yeah. he is out of energy. I think at this point. So, yeah, he does need a little bit of a breather sometime soon. But, uh, you know, because I think his offensive contribution, I think, uh, definitely can be uh, applauded for most of the time. But defensively, obviously, you know, it's also effort, too. He gives effort, but, it, you know, his positioning might not always be there. He, 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 uh, he basically checked uh, behind him and... You know, he didn't really realize that Breck Shea was uh, charging in behind him until it was too late. So uh, there's a de- defensive awareness, I think, that uh, maybe was lacking. But, yeah, what, what are your, your uh, takeaways from this match? 
Uh, it's funny. The result was better, but the performance, I think, was worse overall than uh, versus Red Bulls. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was a struggle, like you said. I mean, they didn't uh, get their first corner until... Atlanta United didn't get their first corner until the 30th minute, I think, or thereabouts. Their only shot on goal was the goal, um, which came in the 83rd, 84th minute. Mm-hmm. Um Pretty poor. 21 shots to three overall. I mean, like, I think, you know, sometimes you don't read too much into that, but I think in this case, it's that is a reflection of the match. Um, mm-hmm. Played around us, they could have scored. There was, a, I think, a deflected chance where uh, Guzan would have had no chance uh, in saving it. Um, Guzan was definitely forced into a couple saves. Um, and like you said, Miles and Anton were immense. And also... You know, going to the, talking about that goal and Brooks Leonard specifically, he was struggling before the goal. You know, yeah. like he, there was a sequence where he was carrying the ball off the field, he played a wayward pass, and it just went down. Um, mm-hmm. and he stayed and down. The, yeah. Right, didn't come off, right? And after the match, uh, Moraney mentioned, you know, look, it's tough. There's some guys out there who are not getting rotated. And we can name those guys. I mean, George Bellow has played a lot. Brooks Lennon has played a lot. At the right wing and right back. Um, Tom Walks has played a lot. Jesson Renowitz has seven straight starts. I don't know, like... <laughs> I don't know how he keeps doing it. I know he came off in the 56th minute, but I genuinely do not know how he keeps doing it, especially at his age. Um, Gallagher, I think you can see starting to tail off because he's they've had to... Not only has he been playing a lot, but they've been leaning on him for the offensive contribution. Um, and yeah, you know, so it's... Then, yeah. too, I, I had issues with the starting lineup. I mean, like, mm-hmm. do we need to see more of Castro? You know, like, I think Castro is at best a sub at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. Jurgen Down comes in, makes a contribution. Morini comes in, makes a contribution. Why don't those guys start more? You know, yeah. it just... Um, I think for me, uh, getting into his mindset in terms of why he uh, is not starting some of these guys, obviously... They have, uh, you know, maybe some match fitness issues. A lot of them are just getting back into the squad. And, uh, you know, there are, like, you know, you might have to be forced into some subs due to injury or whichever. Uh, You know, maybe because of a a card or something that really could hinder, you know, the the setup of your team. And so, you know, maybe you don't want to start a Jurgen Dom from the office. That's kind of been why he... uh, has been having to, you know, kind of rehab from injury. Uh, Kubo Torres as well, I think. Very similar stuff. Because, yeah, they, before they joined us, hadn't really played for five months. And so I think, you know, there is a little bit of that. But I think if in three, uh, you know, three games time, they still aren't starting, then I think there are some really demanding questions that we should ask of the coaching staff. But I think maybe we're a few games from that point just yet but that's just me personally. i mean that's you know the thing is like we got a few games left in the season and i know that are, too but <laughs> right and so like you know and the word is like we're trying to make the playoffs right like i assume everybody's all in on that right. but uh but then you know, coming into this match no escobar uh moreno is not able to recover in time and so it just i don't want to put too much i don't want to put all of it on stephen glass um, I think he's doing what he can, even though I think he um, does deserve some criticism. But I think just in there's just general mismanagement because, like, mm-hmm. you know, you in talking about the players who I mentioned who are either 
uh, struggling or, you know, played a lot, or maybe you mentioned some players that are struggling for match fitness, then we have to ask, where is Barco? Like, what is holding Barco back? And, you know, like, this is a match where that was crying out for a Barco, even as a sub. And so it just, it's tough, man. And I think that there's just, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that, I think we is a mystery for the fans. You know, I mean, like, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if Brooks Lennon can't go versus Toronto. Like, he looks absolutely gassed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, his legs probably are, are gone at this point in the season right now. He needs maybe a couple games rest, really. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, to speak again to your point about Ezekiel Barco, obviously he was seen on the anti-gravity treadmill. Uh, so, you know, he posted that himself. Whether that's actually the truth or not, of uh, you know, there's an injury, we just don't know. I mean, but it seems like there's been a lot of soft tissue injuries, and so Franco Escobar was also out uh, with a mystery injury that happened before the match, uh, in the lead up apparently was the wording, and so uh, yeah, that might be a thing on the the training staff as well, where I think uh, you know the physios they might need to be looked at the you know the training regimens as well. Um, but it's also, I mean, some of our players aren't protected on the pitch. And so, you know, we get fouled a lot. It really is difficult to always recover from match to match, especially when pretty much it's breakneck every three days. It does become really, really difficult, but there should be an evaluation of that, uh, of that training staff and et cetera. But, um, but yeah, we did see Mateus Hosetu, uh, be able to, uh, return to the bench. He wasn't used, but um, yeah, let's talk about our goal though. Uh, and in the the second half, it definitely looked a little bit better in the latter half of the second half. And um, yeah, basically, you know, when Shea scores almost immediately, you know, we uh, have a nice buildup to uh, to our goal, kind of uh, capitalizing on maybe some some bad pressing from Inter Miami and maybe some of the fatigue on their end as well. But uh, yeah, Kuba Torres was able to hold it up decently and was able to, you know, uh, pretty much get it to Jurgen Dom in some space. And ooh, is he dangerous in some space? Because uh, yeah, I mean, he pretty much is skinning everybody on the way. Uh, you know, Figal maybe dives a little too early and Jurgen Dom is able to find a just a static Jake Mulraney for his first goal for the club. But, uh, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, just, I think, eight minutes in that span, it was pretty crazy, pretty frenetic. Um, lots of uh, chances, we'll say half chances maybe, because Jurgen Dahm maybe had a, you know, a, a chance to score and uh, maybe didn't pull the trigger as quickly as he should have. Uh, Bello possibly had a chance as well. And uh, we almost had a, a chance to steal this match <laughs> And what was, like I said, one of the worst first halves that we've ever had. So, you know, I guess uh, at least in the the least, this team is fighting till the last whistle. And, you know, we got to commend them for that. Um, You know, maybe lack of talent, you know, full, like top talent aside in the squad without another DP again in this match. We still are, I think, competing for the most part in every match. But, uh, no, I totally agree. Um, Thoughts? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, so. No, go for it, man. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> Sorry. No, yeah, I thought the so the subs combined, you know, for the goal. I think that's um, a big part of this narrative. Uh, but it was nice to see Kubo Torres again. I thought, you know, I thought he was going to be out for the season. So uh, for him to not only come back in, but make a key contribution. And then, uh, you know, Jurgen Dom, you know, versus Red Bulls, I thought um, a couple opportunities, but, he, you know, he just wasn't sharp enough, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the, or maybe his technique kind of let him down a little bit. But, yeah. uh, I mean, that was that was gorgeous what he did versus Inter. I mean, you know, the, the hesitation, the feint, the ball. I mean, like, you got you to gotta find that pass. And as they mentioned on the broadcast, it would have been easy for him to shoot from that position, but for him to pick up his head and find Mourinho, wide open you know um good stuff all around i mean like those are two players dom and marini specifically that i think should be in contention to start uh on the weekend um mm-hmm. you know which is not to see but yeah i mean like that was that was definitely the goal was encouraging and obviously we, we need every point we can get at this point so certainly not going to complain about that yeah because we're uh we're scrapping for uh pretty much everything right now um, yeah, I wouldn't say, yeah, the, the quality of these matches is, I think, uh, a draw for the fans, but I think, uh, the grit definitely should be as well, because yeah, I see that, you know, the team is fighting for the shirt, you know, it, it's definitely, uh, I think apparent, um, it's just, you know, it's an uphill battle for sure. But, um, in terms of, uh, anything else in this match, I mean, I think there are some really encouraging things, uh, but I think a really interesting stat was that Walks had four blocks, which was, uh, you know, it tied a, uh, let me try to find that stat here, but it tied uh, a record for the club, and he shares that with two other players. And uh, I think it's it's highly interesting. But, um, yeah, it's Jeff Lerowitz and uh, Michael Parkhurst. I mean, really good names. That uh, so you, you know, expect, could, right? Yeah, who you expect? I mean, yeah, exactly. Veterans that um, you know are are I think known in this league for uh, you know I think their prowess defensively. But uh, yeah, Walks also had a game high six clearances. But um, yeah, I think Brooks Lennon. I think goal aside, I think also deserves, deserves a shout out. He had six recoveries, six tackles won, and three interceptions. So, yeah, I mean, he was doing the defensive work. Maybe he's just not always positionally sound. Uh, maybe defensive uh, awareness, maybe not always there, but I think he's doing the work for sure. That's um, the thing. Like, I think he's definitely a more natural player at the right wing than versus right back. You know, like, he'll give you the effort. He can certainly, like, he has the pace to track back. Yeah. Um, I just think it takes away from him going forward. Right. But, uh, but you know, yeah, full credit to him, absolutely. Right. I think he's more of a yeah that classic like right midfielder where yeah he can you know go up and down and really help you out uh, defensively at times. But to rely on him as a fullback, that's where you may be asking a bit much. Uh, which he's def- definitely deputized uh, you know several times this season. But uh, obviously, you know, I think fatigue definitely does catch up to any player. But, um, but yeah, and so, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the rest of this match, uh, let's see if there's anything else that, uh, that caught our eye. I think, um, yeah, it was just, okay, so getting a point last night was just the second time in 11 games that uh, we salvaged a result after conceding first. Very, I think, interesting stat there. Um, 
yeah, Miami had 11 shots at the end of the first half. Atlanta United produced zero. I think that's where, you know, pretty telling. But, uh, yeah, Glass, after that match, uh, he said, first half, we know it wasn't good enough. The message at halftime that last week against Red Bulls, we were sitting in the locker room at halftime, delighted with our performance, but we came away with nothing. We know we haven't played the way we want in the first half, but we were sitting here at nil-nil, just like we were against Red Bulls. I think putting that little extra belief in them, there was a response in the second half. Yeah, and um, I think, yeah, Jurgen Dom spoke to the media after the match as well and said something to that regard where it was like a come-to-Jesus moment that they had at, at halftime. Really, really interesting, I think, that they, they had to do that. And while it's it was somewhat effective, I, I guess, uh, for the, I guess, uh, the end of that match, but, you know, maybe... If, I'm not sure that every single time, if you have to do that, that it's going to work because, you, you know, the message can only, you know, be, I think, pounded into the players' heads as much as, uh, you know as much as it is before they start to tune it out. So, you know, ultimately it's still, I mean, we just don't have top talent on the pitch at the moment. And, you know, players aren't be able to, you know, be clinical enough without that match fitness either. So uh, let's wrap this baby up now. The 1-1 uh, draw. I mean, we'll take that point because... Let's get into the news. It really does help a little bit in us keeping our playoff position, which, uh, yeah, we're still magically in a playoff position, which, uh, yeah, we're 10th still right right underneath uh, the Montreal Impact with uh, yeah, Thierry Henry's Montreal Impact, which uh, mm-hmm. I kind of secretly am hoping that they can... Uh, they can continue to climb the table, and then maybe some other teams drop out. We're, we're going to still be in the... Because uh, <laughs> I selfishly, just a really big sidebar here, that uh, hopefully that Thierry Henry can figure it out and then leave MLS soon, maybe coach somewhere in Europe, because he's a legend to me. And uh, him coaching in MLS, I wish him the success. If we can't win it, I hope Thierry Henry can. But... Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, yeah, we are just hanging by a thread above Chicago. Uh, it's tied with Chicago, but they have a tiebreaker, um, and they lead Miami by one point, uh, Cincinnati by three points, and uh, yeah, we trail seventh place Nashville by two points, and uh, yeah, so it's a bit annoying that we're kind of uh, so far finishing behind a a um, what you call it a uh, a side that's having their inaugural season. So you know we we have some work to do. On top of that, hopefully uh, we do make the playoffs here. But it's definitely also, a battle. Chippy noted that uh, Nashville and Chicago have a game in hand, and so yeah, uh, it is truly squeaky bum time for us. Indeed, yeah. With not many matches left in the season, we have a lot of work to do. But uh, anyway, let's move on. And so, yeah, Atlanta United, they did their patented uh, FIFA 21 ratings video, which always delights fans. And uh, yeah, you you saw the likes of Jurgen Dom and Eric Rometty and Joseph Martinez uh, get paired together. 
uh, Adam John, Emerson Hyman, Jeff Lorenowitz, old man Jeff Lorenowitz uh, as well. Um, yeah, in those groups that uh, kind of try to guess each other's uh, you know ratings and yeah, very hilarious. If you haven't seen it, then uh, you should go check it out on their YouTube. But I think uh, the most interesting bit, I think, is when they are about to talk about Barco's card, they all hold up something like, next, bye, and it's just like, this does not help the situation that we <laughs> currently have uh, in terms of a lot of the fans feeling about Ezekiel Barco. Now, okay, obviously... Uh, you know, there could be some theories that we can all have. Let's kind of exposit some of them really quickly. That's, yeah, he's maybe already, uh, you know, holding out. He wants to leave. This injury maybe isn't as serious. Uh, and some people are thinking that, um, you know, they don't want to uh, kind of hinder more of his transfer value by announcing what it is on top of, you know, the kind of cluing in opposition for you know uh being able to target him as well sure but um yeah there's theories abound i'm sure from everyone on why ezekiel barco is not playing but uh yeah i mean everyone is pretty much in the dark except for you know the the team that uh only they only they know what's going on but what 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 are your thoughts what what do you think uh, theorizing what could be happening because it's just it's rife for it right now yeah I think the most I think the easiest one to go for is that uh, everyone's taking the piss like the players the social team for posting that um, like it just feels like it's one big joke that everybody's in on but then it's like what if that's part of the ruse it's like oh yeah we'll joke about this situation when in reality there is like actually something developing behind the scenes so I don't know man like I, yeah, like you said, it's it's right for uh, for speculation theories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I truly believe that this is Barco's last season, though. I just don't know how he continues as a LA United player in twenty twenty one. You know, I, I mean, I've so seen some I redemption I, I wish, stories yeah. that are really really good, but uh, I mean. I, yeah. I think at Arsenal, I mean, it's like, you know, Shaka, he uh, pretty much flips off the fans and tells them to <laughs> F off. And yet, you know, maybe a month later, he uh, he comes right back, back into the side and performs like, a, you know, a world beater. So it's, uh, well, maybe not a world beater, but just a very strong contributor into the side. But, uh, you know, so Ezekiel Barco could, uh, you know, make that comeback, uh, I think, as well. But I think it's also... Uh, does this destroy his transfer value if he really just doesn't play a part in so many of our matches uh, throughout a season in which, I mean, obviously, yeah, we, I think we're going to be dependent on him. And, you know, I think something that's interesting here is, uh, you know, this comes on the heels, for more speculation, um, on the heels of that match where he was taken off early and he was seen jawing with Stephen Glass saying that, yeah, we're trying to win a game here, and you're taking me off, you know? It's very interesting. Is there a little bit of, uh, you know, tension between the coach and the player as well? Um, has a player maybe gotten too big for their britches? We don't know, uh, but we'll put that speculation out there. I think I'm hoping for the best, though. Hopefully, 
he can have that redemption yeah. story. And uh, yeah, come back into the side, lead us to some glory. And uh, yeah, if he can be sold to Europe, then we'll uh, we'll let him ride off into the sunset. But um, but also, yeah, I think let's move on into the FIFA 21 ratings that we did see. And uh, you know, we'll put these up right now. But it's uh, it's interesting. Some of these cards were there. Any one of those uh, cards that actually surprised you that uh, you know that we see. I think probably the biggest surprise was Dom's. Um, clearly, he has a, I guess, a big international profile because um, he's at seventy-three, which is like that's a decent player. When you, especially when you consider that Barco's on, on seventy-four, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I think Dom's pace is doing a lot for him in terms of ratings. Um, so that was probably, I guess, the biggest surprise uh, for me. The others aren't too surprising. I think uh, we have. Five midfielders on 67. Uh, <laughs> Lorenowitz, Adams, Heinemann, Castro. I don't think all those players are, you know, close At to each other. Level. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that there's a little bit of, you know, maybe uh, the, the game producers or whatever, maybe not knowing as much about those players. So they're like, all right, this is a fair rating. Right. Um, other than that, yeah, I think all these are pretty fair. Mesa at 70. Robinson and Lennon, sixty-nine. Robinson Dan, should be higher, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, maybe him on the ball and him shooting at the goal-wise, maybe not. Yeah, uh, I think, really, and not, I think it goes back to him, him like not being as known a quantity. Like I think if right. he played a full season and like has played that form like we saw last night, mm-hmm. um, then I think it'd be like okay, they move him up into the seventies. I, I mean, I agree with you, but uh, yeah. I can also understand why maybe he's not up there yet. Right, I think uh, yeah. To speak on your point about you know the game producers maybe not knowing uh, you know the I think prowess of each player. Obviously, uh, there are players that haven't really played as much, and so yeah, of course you're not going to be rated as high. But uh, yeah, John Gallagher being uh, kind of I think at positionally being a central midfielder. Uh, yes, he has played a bunch of positions at different, uh, you know, in different squads and all of that. But uh, yeah, I mean central midfielder. I think. I mean, he has played really, I think, everywhere for uh, for many uh, you know stops in his career. But um, I think traditionally he's a striker and or, or a winger, and so it's it's <laughs> strange to see him that like that. But it is also you know they just don't know. But uh, I think yeah, that card could be better. But obviously he has really just come on a little bit uh, previously and hasn't really, I think, sustained that for a, a season or even a period of time. So it's not a huge surprise in that sense. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I agree. Yeah, Jurgen Dom, I think uh, that pace, I think, is obviously the uh, the big determining factor here and why he is high. And I think, I mean, it's because of that, like, he has that game-breaking pace that can really unlock sides like we saw against Inter-Miami. It uh, is uber dangerous, definitely at the end of matches as well. So, um, you know, he's definitely, I think, uh, I think rated properly in that sense. And also in the, you know, I think for, I think, future prospects for the team as well. You know, it really makes you wonder, though, if he's the, uh, you know, the starting right mid or, you know, is somebody else. Because, you know, Brooks Lennon obviously has a good shout in that department as well. So, you know us having two starting 
you know, right midfielders, so something's got to give maybe eventually, unless they're both cool with a little bit of a timeshare. So, you know, going forward, that's going to be interesting. But uh, obviously, that's not the uh, the thing that's really holding us back. I think, yeah, when you look at this, uh, all these FIFA cards, you, you kind of see maybe why we're in the position we are in. Because uh, if you kind of compare it to yesteryear, um, you know, you had the likes of Miggy, you had the likes of LGP, you had the likes of uh, Tito even, and um, where, you know, we have gold cards uh, scattered throughout. LGP, I think, never was a gold card, but still. Um, or maybe if he was, he was uh, the lowest of it at 75. So, you know, it definitely is just the talent-wise, it's been a drop-off. And so you can kind of, uh, kind of see that, you know, the level is not really where it once was also i think guzan uh has kind of bumped all the way down to 72 as well so that you know that comes with his age as a goalkeeper makes sense as well um now a lot of people i think this is always the interesting bit a lot of people always want can to uh play over guzan and i mean you can't take away that much from fifa in terms of these cards but uh, I think you see why maybe we probably don't start can in that sense where I think this is a telltale like yeah you, you get some drop off for sure if you uh, if you have that happen so anyway that does it for the news and pretty much the entire show except for a little bit of housekeeping in that yeah follow our twitch for match day watch alongs you know follow us there for some banter and some fun twitch.tv slash TV. So, no uh, match preview uh, in this episode. We will have a special match preview for the Toronto match for Sunday. So, check out that and stay tuned on the channel for that goodness. But, let's get to the question of the day. So, I think it's a, it's a fairly interesting question because... Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's an indictment on the your fandom at all, but uh, it does, I think, make uh, you start to, you know, really think about if we really should or shouldn't be, but do you want Atlanta United to make the playoffs, or do you want the season to end ASAP? Let us know in the comments below. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, <laughs>